the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into Hour 3. We do so with, I think he is really one of the most interesting people in this state. Honest to God, uh, Sam Stone. He is a candidate for city council. He is uh, the policy director for Kerry Lake's campaign. He is a man of many parts. And uh, the more I have gotten to know him over the years, just the more impressed uh, with his range uh, that I am. Sam, welcome back to the show, sir. Gee, Seth, thank you. But I, I don't know if that's a compliment or an indictment of our state right there. Good grief. <laughs> oh, uh, the uh, bigotry of low expectations right. or yeah, something exactly. like that. <laughs> well, we were just talking. You, I guess you heard overheard some bumper music or something from a previous hour I was doing. Got us to talk in a little bit about music. We'll get into some serious policy, very serious policy in a few moments. But uh, you were proposing uh, a show that we might do that would be a little bit different, whether it would be on this uh, 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 during these hours or not, we can talk about. But tell tell the audience what you were proposing because it sounds like a dream well, show to me. So I, I'm a total geek, and one of the things I, I geek out on these days is reaction videos on YouTube, yeah. watching the, the younger generations react to music and events and things that they have never, you know, had no experience with, didn't see, that to me are the things I grew up with, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so whether it's like the music of Metallica or Guns N' Roses, I mean, rock and roll isn't a genre. Um, or older music, watch watch young black men yeah. react to the Righteous Brothers. Exactly, you right. will you yeah. will die laughing and, right. and have a great time as they do. Yeah, um, and so I thought, given your love of music, my love of history, we ought to do one of those and start doing like a music and time series and start actually framing it for some of these folks because you watch their comments and listen to what they say, they're really appreciative. Like. Real music is real music. It speaks to everybody across the generations. And the story behind almost every song or band is always in and of itself interesting. And that's what's missing yep. along with the moment in history. Yep. You know, because yep. there's so much of modern history can be defined by the music Absolutely. of each era. Absolutely. And, and really, I think that's one of the things that we really need to understand. Like, I think that if you understand the history of music, mm -hmm. you understand the history of man. Oh, yeah, I think you're right about that in many respects. I was doing this with, I don't know if you know Lee Habib, who um, runs a few different things, uh, including a, a website and radio station called Our American Stories. He's also affiliated with Salem. He, I had him on over the passing of, um, of uh, uh, Loretta Lynn, who recently passed away. And we were talking about, you know, the songs in country and what they said about the time and what they said about the era. I'm going to throw this at you because you're a man like I am who knows the 60s quite well. Um, we've studied them and we grew up with parents who were part and parcel. My, my mom was a 60s hippie. And your dad was with yeah. RFK, right? Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about, you know, if you think about 1968, the way history is taught or what, the way children are taught about 1968, you think Woodstock – you think massive protests, you think the Democratic Convention and the riots there. But, you know, you take a look at the music and you take a look at the real culture and the popular TV shows. It was country music. It was hee-haw. It was Gunsmoke. It was Gomer Pyle USMC. And we elected somehow Richard Nixon. 
Well, I think I think that's actually, I mean, 68, obviously one of the greatest years to talk about this as an inflection point, yeah. right? Because you had this sort of burgeoning anti-war movement, the, the you know, peace, love, dope, all that, that stuff going on. But it was far less culturally, it was far less of a cultural driver than the media, than movies and things tend, tend to give the impression of. Because if you're watching those, that's what the era was all about. That's right. But if you look at the facts, right. it was a very staid kind of button-down era right. that had these elements popping up mm-hmm. that were, frankly, I mean, they weren't out of nowhere. Right. Or, you know, if you go back to the 1920s. That's right. Before the Depression. That's right. Uh, the flappers and, you mm-hmm. know, that kind of thing. So these trends were, were burgeoning in societies mm-hmm. long before the 60s. They just got derailed by first the Depression and then World War II. That's right. And the historians who wrote the story came out of 1968. Right. You know, the 18-year-olds became the professors in the well, history so writing book. I, I have a friend who said, and, and I agree with this 100%, that, that you can actually trace back as much as people want to lionize that moment in history and the movement that, that was spawned from it, the sort of progressiveness that came from that. Um, that was the first time every generation rebels. Mm-hmm. That was the first one that won. Interesting. And and you can kind of track the cultural, quite frankly, descent that has followed mm-hmm. from that, That's right? And and all the academics that you just hit on it, all the academics of the eighties and nineties yeah. and into this generation came from that generation. That's right. They were the eighteen year olds yeah. of the counterculture then that have now become the dominant culture. And they they really took over those institutions That's of right. education. That's right. And so they've created the narrative. But that narrative isn't that accurate. Even if right. you go into the 70s, right. you're talking about a country that, for the most part, was extremely conservative. Richard Nixon won 49 states in 1972. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, how yeah. does that happen? No, look, and, and then you had Reagan come back right. and, and deliver one of the greatest landslides in history. Absolutely. You know, I mean, so you look at it, This the, the, the narrative that comes from Hollywood yeah. – the narrative that comes from the media mm-hmm. is really different than right. the reality. It's a great point. It's a great point. Um, I, I, I love that you th- that you can see history through culture because and music. You were telling me uh, about a particular concert in Russia with Metallica, which had a great story behind it, particularly because you cited a musician named Meatloaf. <laughs> And I was at. I'll let you speak in a minute. I was doing a speech out in West somewhere uh, a couple weekends ago. Big crowd, and one of the Q and As was all about uh, financial uh, instruments and stuff. That's way beyond anything I knew. And I and I and I confessed. I said, I, "You just have the wrong guest on that question." I, I, I'm going to have to defer to a Kim Yi or someone like that to answer it. And she pressed again, and I said, "Look, you are looking at a guy that knows a little bit about Aristotle." A little bit about barbecue, a little bit about meatloaf, the singer, <laughs> not the food, and a little bit about Sasquatch. <laughs> I cannot do financial instruments. Anyway, my love of music. But, sir, your thought. But on- actually, as a financial instrument, meatloaf is a, is yeah. an absolute genius. <laughs> yeah. He actually has had an incredible career outside of music making a ton of money. Yeah. So, um, But that concert, 1991, Moscow, Russia, um, probably the largest single event concert. I mean, people credit – um, that we are the world, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Yeah, and these and, numbers really were but, much, but yeah. much different. But but this was 1.7 million yeah. people yeah. in one 
place listening to a concert. And it was uh, Metallica was there. They were kind of a newer band on the scene. They were there as the warm-up act for ACDC. And then I, I said Meatloaf. I think it might have been Black Sabbath. I forget who the third one I'm was. I'm sure Ozzy and uh, uh, Michael James that day knew each other. Yes. I'm sure they knew each other. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and, you know, the, the Russian authorities really lost control of this. You know, it was not meant to be anywhere near that large. And all of a sudden you basically had the entire population of Moscow pouring out to watch this thing. And Metallica just blew it up. Yeah. I mean, they came out. The Russians were telling them, don't go out. We can't control it. It's not. It's too dangerous. They came out and, and it, they they opened up um, it, it just full Metallica, full throttle power delivery right from moment one, right? And the crowd just goes berserk. And you can literally, if you're watching it, you, you can see the speed of sound yeah. because you see the crowd react to the music over this huge distance. Yeah. I mean, as far as the eye can see. Incredible. But people don't understand. There's a lot of kids reacting to this video and they're blown away by the crowd and they're blown away by the music, but they don't understand what that music meant in that place in that time. Yep. It meant freedom. It meant freedom. It meant uh, it, it meant the loosening of the restraints. It meant uh, sticking it to the man, and the man happened to be the communist leadership. It, it, yep. it was capitalism. Yep, exactly. I mean, here they are throwing up, you know, a, a concert and and doing, you know, all of this combines. The fall of the wall had just happened a few years earlier. Russia was really struggling to make that transition from the Soviet Union, um, and this was like a moment of incredible light. That's right. Through some pretty powerfully dark music at times, but I mean, they they really brought something to Moscow that had never been in that part of the world before. Yeah, as P.G. O'Rourke once put it, they um, they weren't in Moscow begging for jeans made in Bulgaria. No, they weren't. They weren't asking for Walkmans made in Romania. Right. No, I mean, you know, look, they they one of the 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 sort of funny things about the the Soviet upper class, which was all the government class, obviously, was that they they were desperate to get their hands on particularly German-made appliances. Yeah. And Mercedes-Benz. And Mercedes-Benz yes, cars, yes, yes, right? exactly. Like, right. Ger- German appliances. Resnav loved a Mercedes. Right. Yeah. Uh, lead, you know, Levi's jeans. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, American, you know, Sony, Sony Walkman yep. players from Japan. And for some reason, Paula Abdul was a big hit over there. I guess like Jerry Lewis was in France. For oh, some pa- reason. Look, man, I don't know. I, maybe I was just the right age, but Paula Abdul was pretty smoking at she that time. She was a good hit here, too. <laughs> Put rock and roll on the Phoenix City Council. Sam Stone is our guest. We're going to get into some issues here in a few moments. Samstone.vote is his website. Also a radio host in his own right. Heard here every Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. 3 p.m. Yeah. Sam and I will be right back. Since we're talking music, there's a little Charlie Pride uh, right there for you. I am Seth Leaps, and Sam Stone is my guest. He's a candidate for city council right here in District 6 from whence we broadcast. Samstone.vote is his website. Sam, we can uh, return to music or anything else you want in a moment, but uh, tell the audience a little bit about if you get on city council, what people can expect from you. What is your what is your passion for serving on the city council? You know, Seth, I've said for years, and and I, I think I offend people left and right when I say this, but I've said Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump are essentially two sides of the same coin. Okay, uh, they are dichotomous solutions to the same problem. 
And the problem is the government doesn't work anymore. Okay. It doesn't work at the federal level. It doesn't work at the state level. It doesn't work at the local level. People keep paying more and more taxes and getting less and less in terms of quality, in terms of quality of life that the government is helping create for us. It's gone down. And a lot of that comes down to the systems that are in place. Everything from the way government does procurement, the way they buy things, to how they, you know, I mean, every part of the bureaucratic process has gotten so convoluted that it is destroying the ability of government to deliver quality service. And one of my main focuses, and I, I, I expected I would be putting people to sleep on the campaign trail talking about this, but is things like changing up how we contract. Okay. You know, we get, you can basically take every single thing the city of Phoenix does, and if you have a private contract uh, doing that stuff, you're going to pay 50 to 100, 50% less. I mean, just off the bat, so half. Uh, the city's paying double for everything we do that you could do on your own. And from the same vendors, the same contractors, they're buying a four-pack of pens that you can get at Target for 2 bucks, and they're paying 8 Yeah, this I mean, is the $800 toilet seat right. at the Pentagon. And, and this never, and this is just getting worse and worse and worse, and there's nobody focused on fighting back on this stuff. So I bring a conservative perspective across the board. I'm going to be pro-law enforcement 100%. I'm going to stand up for... You know, people who actually still like to drive cars like me and don't want to be forced out of them, which is where the city council would like to take you, right? But at the same time, I'm focused on how do we actually make government work mm -hmm. again? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's actually – that's a question that I think really hampered Donald Trump. I think it hampers a lot of governors. I think DeSantis understands it a little bit, and that's why he's been effective. And, but at the end of the day, man, we got to get down – you got to get down and dirty. You got to get your hands dirty. You got to break some fingernails, get some grease under there, and start looking under the hood in government. Because right now, we're running this machine that we're paying Ferrari prices for, and that sucker is a 1973 Dodge Dart underneath yeah. the hood. Nicely put. You know, it's a funny thing about city council. Um, because we think of government bloat and government inability to move the levers as getting worse and worse progressively as you go higher and higher, you know, from school board to the presidency. It, you think of it. But at the same time, we have this phrase, you can't fight City Hall. But the city of Phoenix, it seems to me, you're right, um, Sam, it seems to me that it's so ossified right now and so stuck in their ways one of the last things fellow city councilmen want is someone like you, it seems to me, as they – I think your – what I hope will be your – we can call your predecessor in due course, Sal DeCicio. I mean there's not a lot of city councilmen, if any other than Sal, that most people could name. I don't think they want light shown on them. I don't think they want transparency. I think they like operating – in the dark and quiet, like C.S. Lewis wrote. Oh, not only do they like it, they love it, and they fight for it. And that's why you have Kate Gallego, the mayor of Phoenix, running around making the phone calls for one of my opponents, raising him a half a million plus dollars to run against me, mm -hmm. to try to keep me out of there. Because quite frankly, no, the last thing they want is someone who shows up and starts pointing at the flaws and asking about how and why we don't fix them, mm -hmm. and worse yet, putting forward solutions. Because, I mean, if you go to my website at samstone.vote, you go on there, read the policy stuff. Oh, it's rich. It's it's deep. Yeah. It's different than you're going to find at any other candidate site, um, really anywhere for any of these offices, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I go into it for each area. 
there's a ton of stuff. There's a ton of work to be done. But they don't want to do that work. What they want to do is just keep having a reason to raise your taxes, spend more money, and push their leftist sociological agenda. And that agenda is poison. Mm -hmm. And it is absolutely terrible what they're doing. I mean, if you're a City of Phoenix employee, you're getting hammered and having to sit through you know, DEI classes that are based on critical race theory. Uh, they're indoctrinating you with this stuff from the day you show up there. And they're spending a huge amount of money on it. What does that do? What does that accomplish, Seth? What does that accomplish? Here's the, here's how you handle um, hiring when race at a city or anywhere else. You have a good HR department that hires people based on their skills and abilities, period. Yep. And you don't look at what color they are. I mean, that's just where we're at. Like, let's actually get to the post-racial society that Dr. King promised us. You know, one of the interesting things about all of what you just said is I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I have been – railing on my show about the importance of certain races, particularly our county attorney's race, Rachel Mitchell. In, 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 in that venue, I was in that lane, I was saying, you know, to keep us from becoming California, the county attorney is such an important race. But as I'm listening to you talk, you know, these things do happen slowly and quietly. When I grew up here, the city council was one of the most conservative outposts you could imagine. Uh, it was the legatee of Barry Goldwater. Barry right. Goldwater made his name as a city councilman in Phoenix. It was a conservative city council. All of a sudden, it ain't. It ain't. And um, Phoenix is, um, I guess the New York Times likes to look at Arizona as this as this troglodytic right-wing outpost. We aren't. No, gosh, no. And um, that's why I think, you know, someone like you speaking common sense to really what has become such an entrenched liberal, if not left wing, and probably a better way to put it, power, blob. Blob is the right word for it. Well, and, and this is why you're a threat to them. And, and if you look at it this way, Seth, they are so worried about having one single voice that speaks out in contrast to them. Right. And so worried because that one single voice can have such an enormous impact on the council. And the reason is very simple. It's because the stuff they're doing does not survive the light of day. And that's what it comes down to. They're doing things that the average Democrat – I'm not talking about the the hard left – you know, crazy, nutty, socialist, BLM, hashtag this and that, whatever. Oh, no. if, if you're wearing, <laughs> Obsessed, if, yeah. If you're wearing the pink pea hats, you're not, right. um, you're, you're, not, you're not who I'm talking about now. But the average Democrat would look at this stuff and go, no, this is, I don't want that. I, I don't want a, a city that is trying to force me out of my car and onto the bus. I don't want a city that's spending millions upon millions of dollars running their employees through the diversity, equity, inclusion ringer. I don't want a city that is wasting money left, right, and backwards on ridiculous pet left programs. You want a city that picks up the trash, paves the streets, and puts enough cops out there to keep you safe. doesn't matter what party you're part of. Yeah, that's a really interesting tell. When they do it in secret and in the cover of darkness, um, it means they're ashamed Either it means they're ashamed or they know if the people saw it, they wouldn't like it. One of those two things. Let me pick up on that when we come back. I'm Seth Leapson. He's Sam Stone. His website, samstone.vote. Put this man on the city council. His name is probably sitting in your living room right now on a ballot. Very likely. Voted for, right? Yes. Okay, Sam and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Sam Stone is my guest, candidate for city council 
samstone.vote. He certainly has my support. Another hat he wears is as a policy director, the policy director for the candidate Carrie Lake for governor, for candidate Carrie Lake running for governor. And just this transparency thing. I think this is what's making in part, Sam, some of Carrie's campaign, some of her candidacy, such of a national interest is that she is blowing up the cover of dark. For example, the other day, this this went so viral the other day, um, she had had enough of people talking about, you know, you are engaging in a big life. You question the credibility of an election. And she had the research. I, we do this on the show. You've done it before. But, you know, to finally have a candidate that says, OK, so when Hillary Clinton said it 10 times and Jimmy Carter said it three times and when Barbara Boxer got 30 House members to question Don, uh, George Bush's vote, in Ohio, uh, uh, delegates from Ohio in 2004 and on and on and on story after story from the L.A. Times questioning the legitimacy of Republicans. This was the cover. She said something which I think was also right. She said, and you guys know this, you just won't report it. That's right. Something like that. It's blowing up this cover that they hate more than anything else. Having been discovered, the emperor having no clothes. The little kid that says that is the one who the emperor hates the most. That's right. And, and they do not want light. Look, the modern left is bankrupt. They're bankrupt morally. They're bankrupt in ideas. Everything they've done has failed. Everything they've done and everything they're supporting is harming people. They are sending Europe towards a winter of misery and death because of their Green New Deal. I mean, that's literally the case. More people in the world every year still die of cold than die of heat. And it's going to be real bad in Europe this year. There's going to be a lot of people that die because of their policy. That's right. And over and over, that's the most dramatic example to me in a certain way right now because you're talking life and death. Mm-hmm. But COVID, mm-hmm. let's let's look at COVID, right? Mm-hmm. What happened when they did that? They rushed out all these vaccines. Well, look, the FDA, the CDC are wholly owned subsidiaries of Merck, Pfizer, and Big Pharma. We all know this. The left used to know it. But now because they're funding the left – they, they ignore it. They, this it's is all a, become one big Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson shell game. We will yeah. protest you unless you pay us off. Right. right. And it's the same damn thing. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I have called that type of politics poverty pimping for poverty years. Pimping. And, and I, that's what I think it is. And the entire Democrat Party is now engaged in poverty pimping. Yeah. That's that's a good way to think of it and a good way to put it. This 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 man, I'm glad you brought up the covid thing. Um, there's uh, the CDC's voting today on whether to add uh, add a, a covid vaccine and to the straight child's lying list. about the, the effect. Absolutely of their lying about it. Absolutely lying about it. Because what happens, uh, obviously, they can't mandate it as a national organization. But what they do, I mean, there are schools, there are states. California wants to do this. Washington, D.C. wants to do this. New York wants to do this. So what they do is they put this on the schedule and they say, oh, well, it's up to the schools. Well, the schools want to do it. And so they say, well, it's recommended by the CDC. So you get this endless reinforced loop of bureaucratic uh, totalitarianism. This one is worse to me even than just totalitarianism because this one is going to kill children. Absolutely. Um, We have great data. Mm -hmm. We have extensive data that shows that COVID is essentially no risk at all to healthy young adults, healthy young children. It is no risk. But what is a risk, and the data is now becoming very extensive also, is these mRNA-based vaccines. Um, especially with the kids and myocarditis, yeah, especially with the kids, they are and the most susceptible to it. Young males, no. 
are having a really significant level of adverse and deadly reaction where they're dying of heart of heart attacks from myocarditis and they're having these really strange they're like worm clots um, forming in their bodies because of this the, the, and and what we've learned in the last few weeks is none of these drugs even went through the minimal testing that they said they did that's right that's right. I mean, they they lie. They have lied at every phase of this. Yeah, that's right. Particularly about how the vaccine would stop transmission. I am amazed at the board of directors and the spoke, spokesmen and the spokeswomen for Pfizer who are trying to revise history in real time, saying we never said it would stop transmission. Well, thank gosh for you know some of these uh, online uh, media watchdog groups that have kept the videos and have them saying this. Well, you know, uh, your vaccine protects me. Of course, if the left gets their way, those organizations are going to be muzzled and silenced by force. Right. And if they try to speak up, they're going to have armed agents on their door. Yeah. And so we're living in a very dangerous time. It right is. Now. It is. It, it's perilous. And uh, that's why, you know, more like you, more like Carrie, more like Ron. Absolutely. More like uh, uh, talk about uh, what what the new Congress could look like. I was having an online discussion earlier with someone. I said, you know. You put you put one Jim Jordan at the head of a committee. It, that's a hell of a lever. That could change. Something like that could it's, change. It's really big. Yeah. We'll yeah. talk about that when we come back. Sam Stone dot vote to help this great mind and man out. I'm Seth Liebson. He's Sam. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. If you're worried about stock market volatility, what if I could tell you about an investment in a portfolio with a strong fixed rate of return and no correlation to the stock market? Well, let me tell you about my friends, Y-Refi, sponsors of this show. I know these guys well. They're great guys, and they're offering a great investment, all in a secure and collateralized portfolio with an up to 10.25% return for investors. By the way, your investment could be in a trust, be in an IRA, just as much as it can be in an individual or joint investment. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm. As I say, made up of really great guys. I do know them well. And they're doing really well by doing good for others. And you can be a part of that. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com. Or give them a call at 855-316-3087. Sam, uh, I was talking uh, with Blake Masters a little bit earlier and I bring this up often when people are voting for Senate or they're voting for House of Representatives. Yes, of course, to represent Arizona if it's in Arizona. Um, But these are people that are going to be making and passing laws and hopefully holding hearings on a vast number of things that involve other countries, whether it's foreign aid, war, military assistance, you name it. Never mind the rest of the social and domestic agenda of the entirety of the United States. I don't think people are energized enough and excited enough in understanding what it could mean when we Republicans in the House of Representatives, for sure, get to take over some of these committees. Jim Jordan at the head of House Oversight. Do you realize what we could uncover with that kind of victory? This is what I want in a Republican wave. This is why I want the energy high going into November 8th. Yeah, absolutely. Look, you're talking about a sea change, Mm -hmm. just even if you just take the House, right? Even if the Senate remains 50-50, or Democrats, you know, God forbid, but but they take a, you know, fifty one forty nine there kind of thing. Um, just having control of the House, yeah. The investigative abilities, yep. the ability to control the purse strings, right. the ability to ask questions mm-hmm. of the people you want to ask questions of, right now. 
we've all seen how good DC bureaucrats have gotten at not giving answers. Yeah. I mean, they took Ollie North lessons to heart. Yeah. But at the same time, a Jim Jordan, any number of these others are going to really dig on this, and you're going to find a whole lot coming out because the government, for really a couple of years, has been engaged in what I see as a broad-based conspiracy against the American people, mm-hmm. utilizing the intelligence agencies, utilizing the physical powers of government. FBI, CIA, all of them. Using coercion with yep. big tech yep. to silence the messages they don't like, co- coordinating a worldwide approach to a pandemic that was designed not to, not to address the pandemic, but to increase the power of government and the centralization of government. And what is so unforgivable to me about that one, Sam, is the use and abuse of children to soothe the anxieties of adults. It wasn't just academic loss, though that is not a small thing. It's a big deal. It's a big damn deal. It's going to take a long time to get out of it. It used to be the Democrats seemed to care about that sort of thing. Kids in school, seats in schools, school lunch programs, well, nutrition Well, except school. that the truth is that for they a don't. generation now, our public, our, our public schools have been a disaster. That's right. They're yeah. not educating kids. No, they have become, uh, what was your pimp uh phrase what is it poverty pimps poverty pimps for the unions yeah they are really poverty pimps for the unions i mean why else would randy weingarten be writing language for the cdc to use to keep schools closed why is why is randy weingarten running around ukraine (laughs) i I mean hope she stays there quite honestly oh look i mean if she (laughs) she could please go into the forward fire zone that would be fantastic easy there buddy easy (laughs) i'm i'm with you though no but 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 that's right. And and it goes to this whole vaccine discussion we were having with the children as well. They are not at risk from COVID. Uh, yeah. More children die from drowning every year than died from COVID. You know what people are at risk from? Young people particularly? Drug overdose. That's right. Fentanyl is the number one killer of young adults. There is no conversation outside of Fox News and talk shows like this one and yours. There is no conversation about this. The DEA just today said we have never seen a more deadly drug crisis than we have with the fentanyl drug crisis. Thank Mark Kelly. Thank the Democrats who keep our border open. Thank the left that doesn't want us to have a serious conversation about protecting our children. Thank a worldview that cares more about um, the obese and the aged's lungs well, that the brains of our young children. Hang on. Let's let's add in another major, major culprit. Let's point at the the industrial complex in this country that feeds off of Chinese slave labor. Correct. For cheap products. Correct. And that is willing to overlook the Chinese government's direct involvement in creating the fentanyl that is coming across. And I believe and, and Carrie Lake has said this, and I believe 100 percent. I believe it is a deliberate attempt to destabilize this country with that that poison and that it is a weapon of mass destruction that is being used against the United States. Uh, there's no other rational explanation unless you actually hate fellow human beings and you want to look to kill them. This is one of the China. Man, I'm glad you brought this up. I am sick and tired of being lectured to by um, organizations out of the NBA. I am sick and tired of being lectured to by the likes of Colin Kaepernick, who make millions and millions and millions of dollars of Chinese subvention about slavery that we ended 160 years ago in this country, while the money they are putting in their pocket is based on slavery in China today. 
the the left across the board, their major policy and their major support, whether in tech, whether in green energy, whether in all these things, is entirely dependent on slave and child labor. Yep. I mean, that's really where we're at. And they, they don't care because if they cared, it would subvert their agenda. That's exactly right. That's right. I remember when we were debating, gosh, give me a year, 98-ish permanent normal trade relations, 98, 99, somewhere around there. Remember we were talking about that, and a lot of Republicans were on board with it. I wasn't, and a few of us weren't. I remember Gary Bauer said, you know, we do this in the hopes of changing China. I can bet you dollars to donuts right now it'll change us more than it'll change them. He was right. The chi- Look, China is it, – it's worth understanding a little bit about the cultures you're dealing with and not assuming that they're like us, mm-hmm. right? So one of the things about Russia, for instance, why why is Vladimir Putin stayed in power all these years, is there is something in the Russian character that, frankly, likes strongman leaders yep, right. and are willing to allow – a, a great deal. It's of, all they've known for six hundred right, years, and are willing to allow a great deal of, of sort of black marks or whatever you want to call them, evil deeds. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, mm-hmm. in by these leaders because that's that's what they're comfortable with. That's what they history like. hath shown that mankind. Yes, China, <laughs> China is a country with a cultural disregard for individual life and individualism. Right, and that is built into the culture. It is it is always about culture and the the nation, their you know tribal connections, whether that be. Uh, you know, Han or Mandarin or, or whatever, the various factions, um, it always puts those over the rights of the individual, over individual civil liberties, over the values of the West. And we cannot assume that we're going to change that through economics. No, that's right. It's a it's a really strong medicine, Marxist-Leninism, Maoism. What I'm concerned about is the Maoism that is taking place in America because it's, again, another thing that happens slowly and quietly and we you have wake to up start and with say, the kids, and they've been working on the kids for a long time. Absolutely right. I'm Seth Leibson. He's Sam Stone. Wouldn't you want this live and fertile mind on your city council? I, I do. Samstone.vote. Huh? Kate Gallego does not. Another reason why I want you there. Uh, talk about checks and balances. I'm Seth Leibson. He's Sam. We'll be right back. That's the music of our people, right, Sam Stone? Sam Stone has been my guest, little Eddie Money there. Samstone.vote is his website, candidate for city council. Sam, uh, the pitch you would make right now. Phoenix is an inflection point, Seth. I think we all see that. We're, we're, we've got to decide if we're going to reestablish the values of Arizona or if we're going to head down the road of California. And it's really that clear. Uh, these policies that are being imported from all our big coastal cities are tearing our country apart. They're tearing our cities apart. They're hollowing out our inner cities. And they're doing real harm to people. It, what you're seeing with the homeless populations around the country is, uh, frankly, it is, it is abuse what we're doing to them by enabling chronic street homelessness, what we're doing by not uh, dealing with crime and in, in addressing criminal acts the way they should be, which is with resolve um, and, and force when necessary. Um, when you're not doing those things, you're creating people, you're creating victims. Vict- people will die. People will be hurt. People will lose their businesses because of these things. You have to have a voice on that council to fight back. And so I hope that all of you listening will tell your friends, my district is basically Ahwatukee, Arcadia, Biltmore, a little bit of North Central, touches up into Sunny Slope, most gerrymandered thing in the world. 
if you're in that area, you're going to have me on your ballot, and it's probably sitting on your on your kitchen table right now. It's going to be really far down the end of your ballot. So get to the end of your ballot. Look for Phoenix District 6, Sam Stone. Check that box. We've got three other uh, races there. One is uncontested, Laura Pastor. So I, that's not even on your ballot. Um, but if you're in South Phoenix, you've got Carlos Garcia. Vote for Denise Bellaviner. Uh, in the northern portion of Phoenix, you've got Jim Waring. Uh, I don't even know the name of his opponent. Don't be silly. Just check the box for Jim. Let's get some more balance on this council. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, it's not good for a man to be alone, and it's not good for a conservative to be alone on the city council. It's not a lot of fun. No, but the, you know what? The best thing you can have is a 5-4 council. No. I mean, really, I believe that. And I, I'm a Republican, and I would love all nine seats. But 5-4 works, Seth, because you have to have consensus to do anything. And we're a long way from that. But voters... If you're listening out there and you talk to your family, you talk to your friends, we can make that happen again and we can turn Phoenix around. Love it. Samstone.vote is the website. Sam Stone for District 6 and for so many other things you will get when you get him on the city council. God bless you all. Until tomorrow, I am Seth Liebson and class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.